You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 392 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. In the episode today, you're going to learn why the Milky Way is called the Milky Way. And then there's going to be a word from one of our fantastic sponsors, Pro Flowers. And then after that, there's going to be a bonus Y article. So let's just get started with today's show. Have you ever wondered why our galaxy is called the Milky Way and what it's called in other languages? Well, wonder no more. Like many words that we use today, the English name of our galaxy is derived from its Latin name, Via Lactea. Translated, this means the road of milk. The Romans actually got the name from the Greeks, who called our galaxy Galaxus Kylos, or Milky Circle. Incidentally, the Greek name is also where we get the term galaxy. No one knows exactly who came up with the name, but it isn't difficult to see how the name came about. From Earth, at least if you are viewing it well outside the boundaries of city lights, our galaxy looks something like a band of milky light over a black background, as we are viewing it on its side, and the billions of distant stars in our galaxy create a nice visible band of light. As for why the ancient Greeks called it the Milky Circle, the myth goes that Zeus brought Heracles to Hera to suckle while she was sleeping. Hera was in conflict with the little infant, as you would be if your husband brought home a half-mortal child that wasn't yours. As baby Heracles was having his meal, Hera woke up suddenly and pushed him away, resulting in a few drops of spilt milk. The drops created the galaxy that's now known as the Milky Way. Various other languages have translations of Milky Way as the name of the galaxy, such as the German Milchstrauss and the Norwegian Malkavian. There are, however, many other mythological origin stories that explain the various alternate names of the Milky Way in other languages. In Finland, the Milky Way is called Lunarata, or Path of the Birds. In Finnish mythology, the world was formed from a waterfowl's egg bursting. The sky was the shell of the egg, and the earth as we know it was flat. At the edges of the earth was Lingtakoto, or the home of the birds. Lingtakoto was a warm region where birds migrated during the winter. The bands of light that the Greeks thought of as milk was, according to to the Finns, the path that the birds took on their way to Lin Tukoto. Thus, Linen Rata, Path of the Birds. Armenia has a different idea about the Milky Way. There, it's called Hard Gochi Chanpa, or Straw Thief's Way. The story goes that the god Vahagan stole cartloads of straw Basham, the Assyrian king, and took it to Armenia during a particularly cold winter. To get there, he fled across the heavens and dropped some straw along the way, making the Milky Way. Likewise, the Milky Way is called various forms of Straw Way in several other languages across Central Asia and Africa. It's Ka Taxina Taka in Chechen, or Root of the Scattered Straw, traditionally Komova Slama, or Godfather's Straw in Croatian, though Milky Way is also now used in Croatia, and Samanyolu, or Road of Straw in Turkish. It's likely that the Arabs heard the story in Armenia first, and spread the name to various other lands. In many northern countries, the Milky Way is called the Winterway, such as the Icelandic Vertebraten, the alternative Norwegian Vinterbratau, and the Swedish Vintergaten. The reason for this is thought to be because, in the northern hemisphere, the Milky Way is more visible during the winter. In much of East Asia, the galaxy is referred to, as translated, the Silver River. A Chinese legend says that once upon a time there was a beautiful young maiden named the Goddess Weaver, the daughter of the celestial Queen Mother. One day, a buffalo boy was tending his herd when he spied the Goddess Weaver bathing in a lake nearby. The two instantly fell in love and were soon married and produced two children. But the celestial Queen Mother grew jealous of their love and stole the Goddess Weaver away. But when the buffalo boy pursued them, the queen took out a pin and drew 
through a silver river between them so that they would be separated forever. That silver river was the Milky Way. In Japan and Korea, silver river means galaxies in general, not just the Milky Way. In Spanish, the Milky Way is called a few different things. First, Via Lactea, or the Milky Way. Camino de Santiago means Road of Santiago, or Road to Santiago, and was used for the Milky Way because pilgrims used it to guide them to Santiago de Compostela, a holy site. Compostela is the third way to say the name of the galaxy, and this one is perhaps the most accurate of all the names. It literally means the Field of Stars. Bonus Facts a popular festival in Japan is Tanabata, a star festival. The festival has its origins in the Silver River myth. On the seventh day of the seventh month each year, the goddess Weaver and the Buffalo Boy are allowed to meet for just one day. The people celebrate with a day off work or school, and they write wishes on pieces of paper, which are then hung from trees. In some cities, people light lanterns to float in nearby rivers. It's likely that the celebration got its start in China some 2,000 years ago, before it migrated to Japan, where it really kicked off. Bonus fact 2. The Milky Way is thought to contain over 100 billion stars, and could contain up to 400 billion. It's about 100,000 light-years across. Bonus fact 3. Right now, you are simultaneously hurtling around the sun at 66,600 miles per hour, while sitting on a rock that is spinning at 1,070 miles per hour. On top of all that, our solar system is rocketing through space around the center of the Milky Way at around 559,234 miles per hour. On top of all that, our galaxy is hurtling through space at around 671,080 miles per hour, with respect to our local group of galaxies. Just in case you missed our announcement yesterday, Mother's Day is approaching, and there is no better way than to make your mum feel special than by giving her a fantastic bunch of flowers. And there is no better place to get flowers for this Mother's Day than proflowers.com. If you go there today and click in, click on the blue microphone in the top right-hand corner of the screen, enter the promo code DAILY, and I've got a really special deal for you to get for your mum. You will get 100 blooms, you will get a free glass vase, and that's all for under $20. $19.99 gets you 100 blooms and a beautiful glass vase. Also, if you do want to upgrade, go for something a bit extra special, then you can go for the premium option, add $9.99 more, and you'll get a premium vase and some chocolates, and that's just 10 bucks more, so that's a really good deal. Again, all you need to do is go to proflowers.com, click on the blue microphone in the top right-hand corner of the screen, enter the promo code DAILY, and you'll be good to go. That's a really good deal. Just remember Mother's Day coming up, so get flowers from proflowers.com. Why lead used to be added to gasoline? Tetraethyl lead was used in early model cars to help reduce engine knocking, boost octane ratings, and help with wear and tear on valve seals within the motor. Due to concerns over air pollution and health risks, this type of gas was slowly phased out during the late 1970s and banned altogether in all on-road vehicles in the US in 1995. For a more detailed explanation of why lead used to be added to gasoline, it's necessary to understand a little bit more about gasoline and what properties make it a good combustion material in car engines. Gasoline itself is a product of crude oil that is made of carbon atoms joined together into carbon chains. The different length of chains creates different fuels. For example, methane has one carbon atom, propane has three, and octane has eight carbon atoms chained together. These chains have characteristics that behave differently under various circumstances. Characteristics like boiling point and ignition temperature, for instance, can vary greatly between them. 
As fuel is compressed in a motor's cylinder, it heats up. Should the fuel reach its ignition temperature during compression, it will auto-ignite at the wrong time. This causes loss of power and damage to the engine. Fuels such as heptane, which has seven carbon atoms chained together, can ignite under very little compression. Octane, however, tends to handle compression extremely well. The higher pressure the cylinders of a car's motor can produce, the greater the power it can get out of each stroke of the piston. This makes it necessary to have fuels that can handle higher compression without auto-igniting. The higher the octane rating, the more compression the fuel can handle. An octane rating of 87 means the fuel is a mixture of 87% octane and 13% heptane, or any mixture of fuels or additives that have the same performance of 8713. In 1919, Dayton Metal Products Co. merged with General Motors. They formed a research division that set out to solve two problems, the need for high-compression engines and the insufficient supply of fuel that would run them. On the 9th of December 1921, chemists led by Charles F. Kettering and his assistants Thomas Midgley and T. A. Boyd added tetral ether lead to the fuel in a laboratory engine. The ever-present knock caused by auto-ignition of the fuel being compressed past its ignition temperature was completely silenced. Most all automobiles at this time were subject to this engine knock, so the research team was overjoyed. Over time, other manufacturers found that by adding lead to the fuel, they could significantly improve the octane rating of the gas. This allowed them to produce much cheaper grades of fuel and still maintain the needed octane ratings that a car's engine required. Another benefit that became known over time was that tetraethyl lead kept valve seats from being worn down prematurely. Exhaust valves in early model cars that were subject to engine knocking tended to get micro-welds that would get pulled apart on opening. This resulted in rough valve seals and premature failure. Lead helped fuel ignite only when appropriate on the power stroke, thus helping eliminate exhaust valve wear and tear. The potential health issues with tetraethyl lead were known even before the major oil companies began using it. In 1922, while plans for production of leaded gasoline were just getting underway, Thomas Midgley received a letter from Charles Klaus, a German scientist, stating of lead, It's a creeping and malicious poison, and warned that it had killed a fellow scientist. This didn't seem to phase Midgley, who himself came down with lead poisoning during the planning phase. While recovering in Miami, Mitchley wrote to an oil industry engineer that public poisoning was almost impossible as no one will repeatedly get their hands covered in gasoline containing lead. Other opposition to lead came from a lab director for the Public Health Service, a part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, who wrote to the Assistant Surgeon General stating that lead was a serious menace to public health. Despite the warnings, production on leaded gasoline began in 1923. It didn't take long for workers to begin succumbing to lead poisoning. At DuPont's manufacturing plant in Deepwater, New Jersey, workers began to fall like dominoes. One worker died in the fall of 1923. Three died in the summer of 1924, and four more in the winter of 1925. Despite this, public controversy didn't begin until five workers died and 44 were hospitalized in October of 1924 at Standard Oil's plant in Bayway, New Jersey. The Public Health Service held a conference in 1925 to address the problem of leaded gasoline. As you would expect, Kettering testified for the use of lead, stating that oil companies could produce alcohol fuels that had the benefits that were provided by lead. However, the volumes needed to supply a growing fuel-hungry society could not be met. 
Alice Hamilton of Harvard University countered proponents of leaded gasoline and testified that this type of fuel was dangerous to people and the environment. In the end, the Public Health Service allowed leaded gasoline to remain on the market. In 1974, after environmental hazards began to become overwhelmingly apparent, the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, announced a scheduled phase-out of lead content in gasoline. One way manufacturers met these other emission standards was to use catalytic converters. Catalytic converters use a chemical reaction to change pollutants, like carbon monoxide and other harmful hydrocarbons, to carbon dioxide, nitrogen and water. Tetraethyl lead would tend to clog up these converters, making them inoperable. Thus, unleaded gasoline became the fuel of choice for any car with a catalytic converter. The requirements by the EPA, emission control mechanisms on cars, and the advent of other octane-boosting alternatives spelled the end for widespread leaded gasoline use. Manufacturers soon found that cars could no longer handle such a fuel, public tolerance of the environmental and health hazards would not allow it, and it became cost-prohibitive to continue producing it. On the 1st of January 1996, the Clean Air Act completely banned the use of leaded fuel for any on-road vehicle. Should you be found to possess leaded gasoline in your car, you can be subject to a $10,000 fine. This hasn't completely got rid of leaded gasoline. You are still permitted to use it for off-road vehicles, aircraft, racing cars, farm equipment, and marine engines in the United States. Bonus Fact Since the reduction of leaded gas in the United States, the average level of lead in the blood of Americans has decreased by over 75%. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out Daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.